0: salam everyone welcome back to a new episode of this muslim girl podcast on this episode i am joined by a, f- a social media virtual friend of mine that i've known for uh several years now her name is ahlam saeed she's a fellow yemeni sister here in the u.s and ahlam recently started a new venture which is called min nas or min nas and it is a beautiful project that she is working on or that she has created in which she is able to source unique handcrafted artisan goods from yemen from from people in yemen and um i think the main thing in her line is bahur or at least that's what i see is is mostly available she has other things as well which is pretty amazing and i'll leave the website in the show notes, and it's really exciting. I really encourage everyone to check it out. I have um, gotten the Bakur and it smells amazing, and it burns really well. There's also a lot of tools that you can find there as well um, to kind of aid if you are new to bahud or don't utilize it. But as Ahlam describes it, this this was a ode and a love letter to her late mother zuleikha qayad who we spent honestly the majority of the conversation talking about which i found really really beautiful because it's there's so much i'm sure that i could have just spent talking with ahlam about her life and her experiences but i think she's always been so open about sharing you know, her mom's story from years before and i i think ahlam for her vulnerability and her willingness to share more about her mother's story with us on this episode and talk about just her resilience. And um, I think what I appreciate the most about this conversation is both of our input onto our experiences is is not just women, but children and how we transition through different relationships with our parents. I think when we're very young, we view our parents as just the most you know, perfect people and we don't see any faults in them and we just, you know, go to them. They're our saviors. They're the people who protect us and provide. And, you know, there's no one else in this world that we view the same way as our parents. And then we get slightly older and then we realize we want to become more independent. We probably sometimes even see our parents as like a barrier to things that we want to do. And that's a little bit where we start butting heads and you see a little bit more conflict. And then, you know, you get older and your parents start getting older and that's when you start realizing and I think that's a maybe a a position myself and maybe people my age face especially if your parents are elderly where you start thinking about them and protecting them and taking care of them and there's this transition of roles and suddenly you're the caretaker you're the nurturer and you're worried about their health and if they're eating and if they're doing okay and I don't know I just think that the conversation was just very therapeutic, and I, I remember after finishing the conversation, I turned off, you know, my laptop. I closed it, and I just sat there for a moment. I had to sit and reflect for even longer because I've thought about this before. But I think what Ahlam brings to this conversation, and specifically talking about, you know, her experience recently with the passing of her mother, and just, you know, a lot of the insight she's been able to think about, and, and while working on this project, and. It's it's a very like thoughtful episode and I hope that anyone that watches that listens to this episode is able to have similar reflections and I hope that they are something that is that, that comes out of it that's positive. And if you are someone who has lost a member of your family or a parent or a parent figure in your life, um, I hope that this episode somehow feels a little bit soothing and that you can find some comfort in it um but yeah i really hope you enjoy this episode if you do please make sure that you are subscribed to uh whatever platform you're listening on whether it's spotify or itunes that way you're able to get notifications on the latest episodes and as always thank you so much and enjoy the episode hi hi see you i know it's nice to see you welcome to the podcast thank you (laughs) how are you i'm good how are you good are you in where, where are you actually located? I know you're somewhere uh, on the East Coast. Well, I grew up in Texas. I mean,
1: that's a whole we can oh. get into, but yeah. <laughs> but I spent True. a long time in um, in New York and it was just starting to feel like home. I was in New York for a while. Um, I, sorry, in uh, Chicago for a while too. So I got some mid- Midwest. Midwest. It was nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It all starts to feel kind of the same after a little bit, but it's, mm. it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Where,
0: where would you like to settle like long term if you of all the places like you're like, I think I could say, myself long term here
1: um you know new york is feels like home but um i would love to settle somewhere internationally i feel like the world is always changing and things are gonna you know but um i mean i also feel
0: like we're we're just so far away from the rest of the world i mean i live in california so that's like even further away from the east coast everything is far away which is why i think people don't ever leave the u.s and like when they do leave the continent it's like they go to Hawaii you know it's, it's yeah. not really going
1: anywhere right right and I think that affects the way that we like see the world and interact with the world Absolutely. Um, which which is why I am desperate to get out because I just I feel like we're in a little bubble here um, and we are disconnected from the rest of the world whereas you know other places you move a couple hours and you're in a new continent you know do you think that that
0: changed with motherhood? I know you you have two kids. Is mm-hmm. the perspective of the world and how you want to perceive the world, how you want to you know show the world to your children, did that change a lot
1: of kind of that idea? Um, it definitely makes me think more about. Um, I I feel like who we are, me and Musa. Um, it hasn't changed because I think we, you know, we want, I mean, the fact that we're both married to each other means that we have an open view of the world, right? I mean, in some sense and um, showing the world to our children and being connected to different communities. It was also really a part of our upbringing as Muslims in this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't grow up in a primarily Yemeni community. um, So we got to experience the world through our friends um, and their families Mm -hmm. and so uh, naturally you want to experience the world in real life you know by going to these places. Um, I think for me though I really want my children to have a sense of where they come from where their ancestors come from even now more so because you know uh, we both have been raised here we're a little disconnected Mm -hmm. uh, naturally and and even if we weren't, you know, we're not going back all the time. And so for me, I don't want them growing up and thinking, why didn't they teach us more about our Yemeni side or our Kash- Kashmiri side? Um, and and that is always really, really heavy on my...
0: Because they'll get curious. They will get they curious. They are. They
1: are. And we talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, I think I did more so with always my, my oldest when he was... Um, when he was younger i mean he was very very proud of where he came from and he would always tell me yeah i'm i'm yemeni and i'm you know kashmiri and he would sing songs and you know he was really excited um and then you get a little lazy as, <laughs> as the second one comes around but that's <laughs> something that we always i mean for me it's been really really important um and so i'm you know finding ways to pass that down
0: i mean that's going to be the struggle of, I think, our generation, whether you're married to a, a, you know, a person of your your same ethnic background or not, because you're growing up in the West, and it's, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of different identities. Like, I, I'm sure, you know, we are struggling with our own identities, and then it's trying to educate your own kids, and then helping them navigate their different identities, yeah. so but it's, it's still a beautiful thing right like at the end of the day so yeah
1: the journey is really beautiful it, it's the curiosity you know the the curiosity of where you come from and who your people are and the culture I mean it's exciting to me and it's you know it's what drives what I do it's um it's always been a part of me I'm, I mean I'm just a naturally like I, I want to know where I come from and Mm -hmm. and what life was like, and what life is like now, Um, and so, yeah, it's fun, it's fun, it's a beautiful thing, we're really blessed to also just have access, yeah, in in this way, Um, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, was a completely different, that's very true, yeah, yeah,
0: so speaking of you, we'll take a step back, I, I, I feel like, you know, I've known you for a few years, like, we've been social media friends, and have mutual friends, but, and I know like you've always worked, I've always seen you like either advocating for something, doing some like really cool projects. but I don't really know much about who you are and like a little bit more about your background. Um, I mean, I've loved learning about different things that you've um, shared on your social media, especially with you know your new project and like your mom's story. And I love whenever you post about um, your mom, even like years ago when you talk about like her experiences, You know when she came into the us and how she was she was a single mother and like a like an amazing woman mashallah so obviously i want to get into that talk you know about her and her amazing legacy of your your project with Minas. but who's ahlam and what can you tell us a little bit more
1: about yourself yeah um thank you by the way for having me (laughs) i haven't already said that um you know i first i think if you ask me this question Prior to my mom's passing, I would have had a different um, response. Mm-hmm. And today, now I always think like when I when somebody asks me, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm I'm, I'm Zulekha daughter. You know that is that is who I am, core and core um, to my core. And um, and also Hashem Said's daughter as well. I am a friend. I think that is what uh, my mother was so well known for. She would always say, you know. I I, I'm an okay mom I'm an okay mom but I'm a really good damn friend you know and um and I think like friendship is what is at the core of who she was and as at the core of what I want to you know to put out in the world um it's it's relationships and that goes back to like everything that I've done in my life I I can go back and I can I can see and um that it's, it's all bound and in, in, in relationships, um, chosen relationships. So I've done community organizing. I was a digital community organizer. Um, you know, I did a lot of work in the immigrant rights movement. Um, I was organizing in Chicago. I was always active in, you know, Muslim organizations in the past. I grew up in um, Dallas, Texas. I was born in Yemen. We came here when I was about two years old. My dad had been here since the seventies in Texas. Um, And you know, that really shaped my experience in Texas really shaped who I was um, and how I saw my identity. Um, Like I mentioned, I didn't grow up with a lot of Yemenis around. We were probably one of the first in the area. Um, Now that's, it's a different story, but I I was given the freedom to sort of explore who I was Um, and and my parents weren't bound by cultural restrictions or you know they just sort of they were existing in the most natural way Um, and it was a really great time you know we we had a really strong Muslim community not big but we valued each other Um, my mom's friends came from everywhere there were Arabs from everywhere, you know, it, uh, I mean, she was, she was part of a strong community. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, grew up there until I was about 19 and then I left to Chicago and that's sort of where a lot of other things happened, but, um, that's, in, that's in a nutshell. I mean, a lot of my work, like I said, has been around community organizing and, um, I think it goes back to again my mother, um, my father instilling in me a really deep sense of like what justice is. Even though sometimes they would be like, "What are you doing? What's your work?" I don't understand it, but it it totally aligned with um, their outlook on the world, you know. Um, and they may have not been doing it as a career, but mm-hmm. it was always mm-hmm. in front of me that if you see something wrong you know, you should say something and and, yeah, and do something about it. Um, And my mom was like a really, really vocal person. She was really fierce. Um, You know, she wasn't shy at all. And that rubbed off on me. You know, I felt like I, you know, probably a little too much. She would always tell me that I had a big mouth. (laughs) um, I was like, I don't know where I get it from. And then so and you have um, siblings
0: here in the US as well, correct? I mean, I, I yeah. know some of your mm-hmm. siblings. By the yeah. way, Amal, your sister is hilarious. Yeah, she's funny. literally <laughs> one of the funniest. Whenever I see her stories, I'm like, I need to pause and make sure I can listen to this later because they're always yeah. <laughs> so hilarious.
1: She's funny. She's hilarious. And Mashallah, so she's have, a character. Yeah, she's an, and my best friend, Mashallah. But um okay she's uh so I have three older siblings in Yemen they're half siblings I remember when I first found out that they were half siblings and I and I broke down you know I was like what do you mean they're half siblings like Cinderella and my mom said no not like Cinderella you know she's like yes they're from we you don't have the same father as them but they are your they are yours you know all and and she and she raised us like that, um, and and she made sure that we knew that uh, we had family back home, um, that we were not better than them because we were here. Um, you know, it just so happened that that's where we are. But she always made sure to you know uh, try to keep us connected. Um, so and those were from her two previous marriages. My father was her third marriage, and last, alhamdulillah, and. And then she had four of us here. Do you think, um, like, if you were to go back to Texas now,
0: is it something that, because I feel like now there's such a large Muslim community. I don't know how many Yemenis there is, but
1: was it always like that, like, when you grew up? Was there that strong presence from before? Um, not in our immediate area. I mean, I grew up as being one of the only Muslim, visible Muslim oh, wow. kids at my school, um, the only hijabi at my school, um, my but my mom would drive us out she made sure every week she would drive out 45 minutes to take us to the masjid because she was really she really wanted us to be around other kids um and she wanted us to have muslim friends and that community the richardson community was was pretty big and thriving um and and it was really really diverse i mean i think i was really shocked when i first moved to you know chicago and then going to new york everything was segregated and for various reasons geographically i think and um but in texas like we had people from all over uh at our masjid and um you know that's what i had always associated with muslims we come from like a diverse group of people and um and so but now the community is, is really, really big. There's a lot of people from California that have come in. (laughs) Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. But before it was, you knew everyone. Um, but it was still, it was still big. It was a still really big and thriving community. Um, but yeah, I have fond memories of that. Um, and my mom still, you know, up until her passing, she had, the same friends i mean she always it was funny everyone thought that she was their best friend that you know they were her best friend but um she had the same friends that she had met when she was still pregnant with ml you know my sister um up until her and 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 they still keep in touch with me and i still keep in touch with them and you know that's a blessing like i said that's sort of like what i what i admire most about her is her ability to to keep friendships and to cultivate them and, you know, to see them until her end, it's a gift. It was a gift uh, for me in in what was, you know, the most traumatic event of my life. I had women around me, you know, because I didn't have family around me. All my family was in Yemen. These women held me, you know, um, even though virtually, like they were holding me virtually, they couldn't even be there for me. it was, it was something really special, and so I'm, I'm so grateful that she, she, she did that, you know, Um, I almost think she had the, she thought about that, you know, like, yeah, I was just
0: thinking about that as you were saying that, because, you know, I'm not a mother, but obviously you are, and I think that you start learning a lot about your own, you know, mother, like just becoming an adult, I feel like I've learned so much more about my, my mother's experience. And as a woman, like being a lot more empathetic and understanding to like her experiences, but the importance of like every decision you make and how it impacts your children, like even true, like you said, like choosing the right friends who, you know, in your absence would be there for your children and, and could, you know, like step in. So, you know, what a beautiful thing to have people like that in your life. Um, to be there for you when you might not have, even if it's virtually, you know, I mean, I think that's our world nowadays, but like still the impact that, and, and blessing that that would be, Alhamdulillah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I had ever seen that coming, Um, you know, and I had my my close friends, they were, they were there for me um, and I'm so grateful for that, but it was it was something else to have your mother's friends because they know her in a way. I mean, my friends knew my mom and they had a good relationship with her. But these women knew her in a way that I didn't even know her, you know? And it was it was a gift to be able to see um, see them under, you know, just share about her stories that I, I had no idea about um, and give me a glimpse of another side of her. Um, and And also to see them like, mourn a woman you know like a a friend that's not something that i had ever experienced in it like i i get you know emotional thinking about it because it really um it really taught me just how valuable friendship was and sisterhood was and um you know that y- you may not have family nearby but it doesn't um it is it is just as valuable it's just as powerful and i think in some you know and these are people that she chose right these are your your blood is your blood you know they they do you wrong you you got to forgive them but to 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 be with people to choose them as friends and to stay with them throughout your entire life that's that takes real commitment mm-hmm. you know um because you know they got into fights and they they got on each other's nerves like, like sisters do but um she was committed and they were committed to to being there for each other and what a gift it is to have people praying for you after you leave like from a from a place of like deep deep love you know um we had a you know one of my mom's friends is an egyptian woman she she had went on umrah and um she was sharing like i guess in a group as she was like constantly making dua for her friend Zulekha and this person like reached out to my brother and was like I think she was talking about your mom you know like they don't they don't even know each other but subhanallah it's like that was the impact um and that gives us relief too you know that there are people that are um praying for her just as much as we are so it was, it was such a blessing. It was such a blessing. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like you learned more about her after her passing? Things that you, I mean, perspective, right? Like things yeah. kind of change. Do you feel like you learned more about her?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, my mom at a certain point, she really believed deeply that, uh, you know, she, she followed the sun. It's like you, you play with them at a, by, a, you know, for a certain time you raise them. And then خلاص like they're your friends. You're you're done. You can't really do much, right? You have to respect where they're at. And um, not to say that she wouldn't give us Nasiha, but she was really my friend from for a long time. Um, and so I I felt like I understood her. Um, but definitely after her passing and through other people and just reflecting more, like there's nobody that you think about more than your parents after they pass like you think i i thought i thought about my parents um but not the same way i mean she's she's in me now like i think about life free you know passing and post passing like that is how my brain works now mm-hmm. um and so i i you know i reflect on her deeply i reflect on her decisions sometimes when i thought you know um, I wasn't as empathetic right like I was like why is she doing this or she should you know she should like just I I, I just I have more empathy for her now and her decisions that she made like you mentioned Um, because I'm just thinking more and reflecting more and and making those connections where I wouldn't say that our relationship was surface level but it just wasn't I mean yeah yeah Um, So, you know, everything, like, everything carries meaning differently, even the things that she had, you know, like, I I hold them a different way. I I value them a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, The scent, like, I think about, I mean, I always remembered her scent, but I think about her scent differently now, you know, and I really try to savor everything that I, um, that I that I think and, and 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 carry from her in a in a different way. Um, alhamdulillah, it's all it's you know. My friend Saad used to had told me at that moment. Um, shortly after, the the pain that you feel is um, is indescribable, but it's it's only that painful because there's like such deep love. You wouldn't yeah. feel this kind of pain for anyone. Anybody else yeah so it is you know it's a double-edged sword it's um it's a gift it's a gift and i'm i'm grateful that allah you know um I'm, I'm grateful alhamdulillah alhamdulillah you know
0: it's you mentioned how your relationship was or how she raised you guys at some point especially in your adult years becoming more of a friend still giving nasiha but like understanding that you are a whole person and You're going to make decisions, you're going to, you know, maybe have like a view on life that's different than the way she's raised. That's such a valuable thing. And I think such a beautiful thing for a parent to have that kind of relationship with their kids because like in the Yemeni community, I feel like that that's not there. Sometimes parents Mm -hmm. tend to be a parent and have expectations from their kids, even as they are married and have kids of their own, Mm -hmm. that they meddle, they think that their voice and like their voice matters, but at the same time, like you have to let your children grow and let them make mistakes and let them choose a path of their own. And I find that unfortunately, like our community doesn't do that as much. And like, I grew up in a predominantly a mini community. So it's just like an echo chamber here where like everyone cares about what everyone thinks and women, especially and I bring this up because it sounds like your mom, mashallah, was very outspoken um, and just, you know, lived her life however she felt necessary to provide for her family, to take care of her children and her family. And here it's like, obviously they do, like they make sacrifices, but I don't know. I feel like there's, there's, there's so much more that we could do in building better relationships between the, the, the parents and the children. So to hear that was really yeah. nice.
1: Yeah. I think a part of it was also that it wasn't, it wasn't a one-way relationship. I mean, she, she confided in me so many times, you know, like she really shared a lot about her struggles, her pain, her, you know, uh, uh she was very open with me. And I remember sometimes being like, mom, I don't, I can't carry all this. She was like, who am I supposed to tell this to? If I can't tell it to you, That's you know? literally my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that really stuck with me and she was telling me like, I'm not just your mom, you know, I'm your friend. And, um, and that meant a lot. And, you know, out of all of this, it's like, I, I I see my mom as a whole human being. Uh, yeah. And, you know, she also, she had a different outlook because she was exposed to different situations. Um, you know, she, when she came here, it was funny, Um, she, later on, I think, after, after my sister uh, started taking, like, child development classes, she was, like, I really want to know, you know, like, what's, like, am I doing this right? (laughs) Am I doing this right? You know, after having four kids, like, she's asking that, five kids, she's asking that question, right, Um, and I still remember she would be, like, I, you know, she was really strict about not hitting us at that point. Um, I mean, she hit us. She, you know, she she beat us down a little bit <laughs> in our earlier years, but she made a very like learned something, and she was like, "It's what I did in the past was wrong." That be um, and that to me was big. You know, that's that she, huge. Yeah, because she was in her forties at that time. Her, her early forties, yeah, and so to to learn something, to be open to it, to seek it out, to change, to try to do better, you know, um, all of these things. I mean, and she, I think for me, it wasn't that she never gave me, you know, she gave me an and but I was truly, you know, from the way that I thought about things is, um, I may like what I see around me. If, if I don't like something, I need to know what happened you know and how to avoid it and so there wasn't you know it wasn't always the ideal you know the how we grew up wasn't always ideal um but I thought okay like if there's anybody that can teach me how to do better and who has my best interests at heart it's my mom Mm -hmm. so I would ask her I mean from everything and even you know I remember growing up and asking her um Oh, if I if I have kids, can I come and stay with you? Can you like watch my kids when I grow up? She was like, No, no, I'm done. I've had seven of you guys. I'm done, and you need to take care of that. And you know what? I, it was it was funny because I used to I used to ask her, like, Should we move in with you? She's like, No, I need my space, and you need your space. You know. And there's trouble when like you you need space. You know. Mm-hmm. She was always a really um, big advocate, and I I always took her. Um, advice really seriously because she lived life, you know, and she would tell me like, "I lived life, like learn something from me." I'm not, I'm not creating these scenarios. I'm not trying to force you to do things because you know I think it's the better way. Like I, I have experience, and I really value that. And I think sometimes as young people we don't want to value like our elders' opinions or yeah. not opinions, experiences, but you don't realize that until you get older and you're like, oh, there's a reason, you know. You don't have to take it, all of it, but just to reflect a little bit on it. And um.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.
1: I think it's important, you know, just as we, like, look to people in our career and look at their experiences and take them into account and try to, you know, build upon that. I think it's important to build upon our, you know, our family's experiences. What went right, what went wrong, you yeah. know. And she was always honest with me. She was like, this this isn't going to, you know, this isn't going to work Or I in a better way so yeah I
0: think I was really grateful for that understand the experiences of our parents and also empathize more learn from it is like to humanize them in some way I think we always have this title of uh mother father attached and so we can't really see them as anything other than that and we just have like, this, we view them in a, in a way that like no one else in the world does, right? Because they're the ones who created us. And then, but then you realize, like, I remember, I was um, talking to my therapist one time, and I was talking to her about as I'm getting older, like the way that my mom, the relationship between me, and my mom is changing, because, you know, she's um, diabetic, she's insulin dependent. And I, mm-hmm you know, I worry so much about her and it's like, it's crazy how you, you almost transition into different roles because now I feel like I'm the, the nurturer and the caretaker and trying to make sure she's doing okay. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you have to sometimes take a step back and think of her as just, you know, my mom, my mother's name is Naqila, which is a pretty unique name, um, just like yeah. your mother's name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Beautiful. she's like, look at her as, as, as a, aside from like the title of mom and And think of everything more like I guess objectively like her experience and it was like honestly a very emotional process because I had to think about her childhood when she got married how she moved here she lived so far away from her parents her experiences and hardships that she experienced. Um, the struggle she must have went through to raise us. And I didn't realize that like all my life, I couldn't detach my own needs and confusions. And like, why can't she just be like this? Why can't she understand? Why? Can't and it was because, you know, my mom lived a completely different life than me. I mean, she wasn't educated. Um, you know, she wasn't, de- it, she was dependent most of her life on someone, whether it was her, you know, father to her husband and now kids. And it it did, it was like a very eye-opening experience and changed the way that I viewed her and and it's helped our relationship because I can have a lot more empathy and understanding and even in her imperfections that as a child it might have affected me I can give her grace for it I can say like I understand like it what like I get it and I'm not even a mother yet I could you know my sister has kids and she's like it that changed her perspective as well Mm. and it's like subhanAllah this this like journey that we go through as we get older. It's like so beautiful, but also it's like so bittersweet as well. Cause it gets like
1: to be very emotional. Good on you though for yeah. taking the the time and the energy to to work through that now. <laughs> you know, that's so important. Um, I I can't I can't emphasize enough how important that is. Yeah. So yeah. Alhamdulillah. That's, that's a blessing alhamdulillah.
0: So you've shared your mom's story for uh, at least on your social media that I know just like bits of it. For quite some time and now you started you know this um, Minas. Uh, i don't know is it a project is it like a new business venture but like can you tell us more about it first of all like this isn't the first time you've done bahur i know you've done it before correct um mm-hmm. what's different now and like what's what's the intention and, and like story behind this project
1: yeah so um Minas was something that has been like brewing for a very long time. It is an incorporated business. Um, I, you know, before, so I did have this other business with a, with a friend of mine who is my business partner. um, And we had been sourcing B'hor from Yemen um, for years. And it was, it was a side project. We, we both had it was a registered business, but we both had full time work and we had a pretty big vision, but not the time and not the energy to really make it happen. And so it sort of just became the whole um, and we had a really dedicated group of customers that always came out to support us. And we were really grateful for that. But we just it wasn't sustainable. Um, so we had decided to to shut it down and that was kind of sad. It was also just a mix of like things, you know, from sort of like shipping and, um, you know, initially we wanted to do projects around the region. She was, you know, she's Egyptian. And so she was like, this is becoming just like way too Yemeni, <laughs> like this is your baby. <laughs> um, so it was, it was bittersweet, but we, we shut it down and, um, you know, continued on with our lives and. I was continuing to work, and um, there was just something in me that was constantly like, "I really want to do something around Yemen, especially." It wasn't necessarily a shop, but just really doing cultural work and showcasing Yemen in a really beautiful, elevated way. Um, you know, we did a bodega supper club. Me and my family. We it was a um, it was a supper club that we did around Yemeni food and culture, and it was really, really beautiful um and so that was just always in the back of my mind and uh before my mom had left actually um we were like why don't we give this another another shot like let's source some behold and so she was like I'll make the first batch for you you know um because she my mom was Uh, she was something else. She would, you know, anything that she liked, she was like, let me figure out, I'll I'll figure out how to do this. You Mm. know, like, I want to do it. Um, I'll make it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll make it. Anyways, she, it was one of the last things that she did for me, actually. She went and sourced, and I remember at that point realizing, like, she was not doing good. She was sick, and I, you know, she was yelling at me. She was like, hurry up, make your decisions, tell me what you want, and I'm like, you know, she goes, I'm, I'm not feeling good right now. And I go, mom, Halas, like, if you're not feeling good, don't, don't do this. And she's like, no, 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 no. You know, like it's something switched off. And she was like, like whatever is, whatever wears you out, I, I, it makes me, it brings me joy. And, you know, she recorded this thing on WhatsApp. And at the time I was like, oh, that's sweet. But I didn't think anything of it, you know? Um, and... Anyways, subhanAllah, like, you know, a, a two weeks later, she had passed from COVID, but it was one of the last, like, last errands. She had done a couple errands for her friends and my dad and, you know, siblings and stuff. Um, and that was one of the last things that she did. And so her idea was like, okay, we'll try this out. Once the dust settled, my sister was like, look, what do you, do you want me to do this for you? Like, I'll, I'll make the bahur. And I thought, you know what? You know, I just kept, I kept thinking about it. Um, and it was never just about Bahur. My goal with Minas is to be able to really um, source, you know, new and traditional products from around the country, from artisans around the country that are really struggling keeping up their craft because of the war. Um, and so I thought like, okay, if I really wanna do this right, um, I need to be able to like, you know, raise capital, et cetera um but subhanallah I was like okay this this bahur and most people don't know this this bahur that I'm selling right now is essentially like the seed capital for the rest of the 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 work that I'm doing and what I see is like a for my mom because you know I, I I hope and pray that we can be able to support like many artisans across the country who are in desperate need of this work and to do it in a dignified way you know I've I've raised money for different projects and I think that's still really important to be able to provide immediate humanitarian aid for people but people also want to go back to work like they want a dignified way to you know to support their families and to feel proud about what they create Um, and so that that's sort of like this the the beginnings of Minas Um, and we you know I started off by sourcing a few different projects, um, for example, like the Mubacher, um, you know, one of them is made by a really amazing uh, craftsman and Shibam um, who, you know, this is, he's, he's generations down and creating this kind of work. And so um, that and, uh, and the mawas, the textiles that, you know, I always think like, we see like the sitara everywhere. And I remember, I remember in 2012 when I was last in Yemen, I was going crazy in the marketplace. I was trying to like find like Yemeni made goods. And anytime I would go and ask, they were like, okay, but we got this from China, it's cheaper. I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, like I didn't come to Yemen. I'm not here. To find Chinese-made goods, with all due respect to, to you know the hardworking Chinese people, like I don't want it. Um, mm-hmm. I want what my people produce. And so, I, what I was finding it was just really tough for them to to keep up in the marketplace and in the international marketplace. And so, even to the point where you know Yemenis can't even afford their own goods, right? I mean, it's it's a reality. So I thought, like, I know people that will pay more. Because things are made by hand, mm-hmm. um, and so that was always like that was always in the back of my mind. I had sourced, I had you know bought so many handmade goods from um, from Yemen at that time, a lot of vintage pieces as well. And so that was you know that was always like okay, one day, one day, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and so yeah, we uh, so going back to like the mat was, I mean, this is all done hand looms, you know, wow. um, by hand. I mean, each piece really takes like a, a day, a whole day and two people to create. Um, I'll show you one of them, which is, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't actually put these out into the market yet, but you know, like this kind of stuff like this That's is beautiful. all. Oh, I love all, those colors. Yeah. And so um, I saw the kit you is had, like,
0: which wasn't available <laughs> anymore
1: yeah yeah but beautiful. So those were those were like the traditional that was that the men were and and so yeah my my goal is to like scale up and to put more people to work and to find um, you know and 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 I'm in conversation with a lot more people now and it's really exciting um, you know to see the see the potential um, our people are hardworking people who are you know, despite living through what they're living through right now. Like, not only are they trying to make a living, but they're also doing it in a way that's like, is dignified, you know? Like they, they really pride themselves on the, the objects that they make. And there's nothing more than I want to do than to celebrate that and to elevate it. And, you know, I don't want it sitting on like some dinky shelf in a, <laughs> you know, in the back of a market. Like, I really want this in front of people and I want people to value it. And I think that um, in order to do that, we really just have to put in the time and effort uh, to do so in a really beautiful way. And so that's what I've been working on for the last two years. You know, it's like, I, I have these prod- products and I'm not the first person to sell behold here. You know, I'm not the only one. I'm sure there are going to be more people and that's great. Um, I just, I really want to, I really want to elevate it you know, um, and I want to tell the stories behind it, and um, I want people to feel something when they, you know, when they receive a package, and when they open it, and I want them to be transported to Yemen, and a Yemen that we, you know, remember, and, and also to be able to reimagine what a new Yemen can look like as well, you know, um, that's really, really important to me, so,
2: um
1: Yeah.
0: I think, I definitely think you captured the whole having the experience with the packaging and like giving us a little bit more than just the product itself. I think packaging is actually, you know, it could be sort of a cost and like the time that you go into it and curating it and like sourcing and, and everything. But as I think that it is valuable when you are selling more than just a product, like, you know, you have a purpose or a story that you're telling. And so these, these the crafts that like are being produced these are like craftsmanship that's what generational like in people's families they this is what they've been doing for years is that usually the case with a lot of this
1: like the
0: yeah ma- and the ma- yeah
1: yeah um some of the, most of them are like it's generational like their grandparents did it their great-grandparents did it And for some people, they're, they're being trained, you know, they're, um, there are aid organizations that are coming in and saying, like, look, you know, we have an opportunity for you, let us, let us help train you Mm -hmm. in this. And so they have fellow, you know, neighbors or or family members or friends that are training them on this the organizations. And so, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these industries are really struggling. They're being replaced by Chinese goods, you know. Um, I mean, I, it was, it was interesting because even, um, when I was sourcing, like I had asked some people for like, and I was like, nah, this is not handmade, you know, like they, you know, maybe I'm, I'm assuming it was an accident, but you could tell, <laughs> I, I could tell, I could tell, um, it's in the imperfections. If you don't see imperfections and it's questionable. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of in a way, um. Preserving history as well, right? Because as soon as things get mass-produced and outsourced from a different country, you get the function of whatever it is that you're trying to do, but you lose the the history of it.
1: Yeah, and there, you know, there are a dime a dozen companies that are producing like that can f- fill the same function. You know, they can. There's M- Mabacher on Amazon that you can buy. There's you know, people, they, there's companies that are producing beholden factories. Um, again, I don't want to belittle that. I mean, there are people that are working really hard, but um, to to make those even in those factories, sometimes I question how they're getting paid. That was also a big deal for me, you know? Even I, I was really hesitant to go through middle people. You know, I was re- I really, really wanted to make sure that I could speak to the artisans and, um so that I could make sure that they were getting paid what I was, you know, like they were getting paid what they asked for and not some middle man coming and taking a chunk from them. Um, is that part difficult to? Yeah, yeah, because there are sometimes, you know, like the artisans don't have phones, right? So like mm-hmm. there, there has to be a middle person. And so you have to make sure that the relationship is somebody that you really trust. Um, you know, I faced a lot of like pushback from, I remember trying to get like family to, to work with me on this. And they, sometimes they just couldn't see that would be like, but we can, we can go to the market and get X, Y, and Z for you. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know where those things are coming from. I don't know, you know, and it was, it was really hard for them to see where I was coming from. They were just like, I don't get it. Like, I mean, I had, I had very close family members that were like, just get it from China. And I'm like, that's not what I'm doing, you know? Um, That's not what I'm trying, I'm I'm trying to do something different. And I think sometimes when you're there and you're just trying to survive, you're just looking for the most easiest, cost-effective way to like make a buck. And that's, the way that I'm doing this is, um, sometimes I question, I'm like, should I just open up a nonprofit (laughs) instead? Because I don't know how profitable this will be if like the scale does not work, you know, Mm -hmm. like trying to maintain the authenticity, trying to ensure that people are being paid, you know, um, what you believe they're going to get all, all the different steps, the the entire supply chain, like if things don't work, then it becomes really difficult to survive as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm, I have faith, you know, I'm like, I, I, when I started this company, I didn't take a dime from anyone, even though I had people that were really generous and wanted to support my work. I thought like, I have to be willing to bet on myself. You know, I have to be willing to to risk my own money for what I believe in. If I if this is going to work, it has to work, you know, and, um, and I don't want to be in debt to anyone, even if they're willing to just give it to me. Like, I really want this. I really wanted to prove to myself that Um, there is a market for handmade goods and we know that you know I think we know that there's there's there there is a market for this but can it can it happen in Yemen you know um, given all the different challenges from sourcing and shipping and you know everything like can it happen Um,
0: is it also to to because I think if they produce something that could be sold outside of Yemen to people who can maybe afford it. Cause I imagine one of the reasons why there's so much mass produced products in Yemen is because it's also cheaper so that people can actually buy it. Right. That you're not having to go to someone who handmade it and it's just a little bit more expensive, even though before that's how things were done. So is it kind of for both of those reasons? Like, I mean, if the economy was better
1: than, and people could afford to buy from the local. Yeah. I think it's just, Yes yes and i also think if when inshallah the war is done i think there is decisions that people will make about how they value things you know like one thing that i that i always think about is uh the prophet Like, could name his things like he had a name for every object that he owned you know which says a lot it means that he wasn't just like buying you know like everything that he saw but what he had he, there was value to it. And, um, and so, and I think at one point, right, we, we did value what we have, you know, and we could name every object that we owned, not in, uh, probably in our day, but maybe in our grandparents' day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think after the war is done, you know, I, I hope that people will again, when they have the choice, and if they can afford it, will choose to like, you know, things that have meaning and that were made by people that they know. And and sometimes like you don't value things until others value them. And so I'm hoping that when they see that their goods are valued in the international marketplace, that they will realize like there is value in what they have to offer the world. that there was always value in that, you know. Um, and so, a part of it, and and it's it's a little messed up sometimes. I think I'm like, why do why do other people have to value what we like make in order for us to like find value in that? But it's also sometimes the reality. Yeah, I I, I think it's important, you know, uh, for different reasons. And
0: I think also too, stepping away from from something gives gives you a new perspective and understanding the value, like. Yemenis in the di- diaspora I think we value so much more because we don't, we don't we're like so disconnected sometimes and like with yeah. the war and not being able to like most Yemenis that I knew and I too was born in Yemen came when I was two my dad also was here long before that but we used to actually have normal visits and we would always bring back with us like the stuff yeah. we needed and now it's like because we were kind of almost cut off from that a little bit or it's just yeah. been made more difficult we find that like we're always like looking at like how can we connect with it and I remember when I'd go to Yemen and I, I was always like super I'd go to the and I'm not looking at the clothes that looked Americanized they yeah. have t-shirts with Playboy bunnies, which I don't even think they know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And out, and I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, this is nice. I'm like, no, I wanted the like more traditional things. But it's because to them, they're like seeking, and like I love old school, you know, Yemeni music and ouds, and that's what I would want to play. And they're playing Usher and Britney Spears, and I used to be like, I don't get it. But I it was because I was a little bit deprived from something that right. I was trying to find. So, um, who do you think is well, who's your target audience? Because like it could be Yemenis, right? Like someone like me or like many people yeah. I know who would really appreciate the work and thought that goes into this. But do you also have people who are just interested in the Yemeni culture who aren't Yemeni?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because I remember having a conversation with somebody and they said you you know, they said this would really work well in the Yemeni market. And I go, I just don't think that it would. Like, you know, because I I was sort of thinking, oh, but they're still going back. I I was in denial, even though I knew people weren't going back. Yeah. Um, But surprisingly, there have been a lot of Yemenis that have um, been supporting this work. But there's also just a larger Muslim community um, that Mm -hmm. is, you know, that was my customer that were my customers before um, that have come over and that have spread the word and not necessarily interested in. Yemeni culture, I mean, some of them are. I feel like, frankly, they probably don't know enough about Yemeni culture, but they are intrigued. Um, But they, I think people are sort of tired of the war and they wanna find new ways to support um, Yemen. And, you know, and and, and that's part of the reason why um, I love doing cultural work because I just feel we've we've been in war for so long and I know that's easy for me to say as someone living in the diaspora Mm -hmm. but it's also I want people to see Yemen beyond the headlines you know I want them to have an appreciation for the culture and to be able to celebrate the culture um, and you know and to do that and and to be able to support people without a handout you know and I, and I think those are the people that are really, there are people in my, you know, my target audience are people that really value handmade goods. Like they aren't people that go and are, are looking for, um, are, are looking for a deal. They're looking for something that lasts, that comes with a story. And so frankly, I think those people are not only in the Muslim community. I think right now, because of who I'm connected to, it's naturally become that. But I really want this to to move beyond and you know to to connect with people who have a curiosity of other cultures who um, value the work of humans, not factories who value the work of um, who 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 care about uh, the dignity of people, who are really cautious about not exploiting people like mm-hmm. those are my that's, that's my target audience and you know um it's a big big audience uh that I that I hope to like really hone in on um you know over the next like year or two years inshallah yeah. is, are there other
0: areas you'd like to get into I mean I don't know if this is something you'd want to talk about but like kind of yeah. in, like,
1: expanding in the artisan area of yeah definitely of definitely um yeah I I'm I'm looking to do that I have some stuff that's probably inshallah fall works out in the summer that's going to come out and these are products that we that we use but sometimes we just don't know where they come from and so I'm excited to be able to like offer um, a direct source um, to be able to you know show that traceability Um, so that's really exciting and uh, you know and not just I mean Minas is obviously like an online shop but We've worked with um, two artists, one being a filmmaker, um, photographer, Sumeya Abdullah, that people may you know. And, um, you know, we're we're going to be showcase we're, we're going to be premiering um, a, a piece that me and her worked on uh, this summer um, around Bahur. And, uh, and also I've had the opportunity to work with a really amazing um, illustrator she goes by the name of glitched plant on um, uh, on instagram her name is sara ahmed and she worked with me on the illustrations for the boxes and there's you know that was really exciting because i really wanted to make sure that everything had meaning and beauty in it and um, you know it was it was a lot, <laughs> it was a lot in all aspects, but it was it was such a joy to work with her on that. Um, and so, you know, I want to continue doing projects like that where um, everything around the the product, um, there's an extension of that. There's storytelling around that, um, and it's it's like surrounded by beauty. You know, I we deserve that. Like our people deserve to. To be showcased in the most beautiful way and so i'm really excited about exploring that more and um you know just trying new and innovative ways to to bring things to the marketplace you
0: know what i would love maybe you've even thought of this a subscription box and it doesn't even have to be monthly i don't know if you've ever done like what is it called Fab Fit Fun or something but it's like a quarterly box so every season they send you like the things you need for the season just, you know, whatever handmade goods of, you know, every three months or something, because I love collecting things that are not just within my culture, but even like outside in different you know parts of the Middle East. And I just think it's such yeah. like a beautiful thing. Most things you could use as like decoration for your home. You can keep them, you can give them as gifts as well, which is, I think a really nice thing, especially like my sister, we were burning um, your bahori, uh, last night during, after Fatur. And she's like, this is like, the perfect thing to gift people she's mm-hmm. like I have friends that get married I have friends that have birthdays and she's always struggling like with what to yeah. buy them she's like this is perfect because it's like packaged it has meaning behold is a great wedding gift right so um yeah. that would be really cool to do something like that but yeah. I'm sure you probably <laughs> got it. yeah Signs it's something that
1: I've, yeah it's something that um I'm thinking about and trying to find like the best way to do it it's like these ideas are so much fun. But then <laughs> when you think oh, about the logistics, yeah. it's Yeah, I know. Yeah, Trust me, but, I've,
0: um, I've tried some things and it's, it's super complicated. So like props to you because I think we receive something sometimes and we just think this was easy. You just buy stuff and put them in the, in the box. Yeah, People don't understand the work that goes behind it.
1: Yeah, no, and thank you for saying that. Um, it has, it's been, it's, I think I also underestimate what it would take because I, you know, I had a business before and I was doing things a certain way and I wanted to change the way that I did things. And, um, it took a lot. It took, it took a lot to get labor of Um, love. Yeah, it is. It is. But it was, I had so much fun doing it. I mean, even through the tears, (laughs) I had so much fun, um, working on it. Um, Cause it was also sort of like a a he, you know a process of healing for me and celebrating. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really thankful for the opportunity.
0: Do you wanna t- tell everyone a little bit about the, 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 the story a little bit behind the name? Cause I know, I know it cause I read what was online and also in the packaging but can you share a little um, bit about the
1: name? Minnas in Arabi means Min and Nas, like from the people. Um, and it was something that my mom, I remember when I was younger, you know, I think we were arguing about something and I told her, I don't care. You know, she's like, what, what do you think people are going to think? And I thought, I don't care what people think. And she just looked at me and she goes, like, like we are from the people. What, what do you mean you don't care? You know, and it wasn't this sort of like way to control me. I, I, that's not how I took it. It was this idea that, like, you come from a place, like, those people care about you, they love you. For me, it was like, these are, um, this is where I come from. And it just stuck with me, you know, and I would think about that a lot. Um, And I would take that into consideration. It's like, we don't walk this earth as individuals, we walk this earth with people. We, you know, we're in community with people. What we do, how we do it impacts other people, whether you want to acknowledge that or not. Um, I think being here in the states, um, especially you know, in in this day, it's all about who you. you know, it's all about you. You know, everyone else can take a backseat. Yeah. And well, there's some like you know, I understand where that comes from. I understand um, the the trauma that that comes out of. Um, I I personally don't think that that's, that's the best way moving forward, like, you just got to take each other into consideration. Um, And so that's sort of like, at the core of this business, it's like, you know, things that people make, come from, come from them, everything that, you know, I try to source comes from, like, I want to know who these people are, I want to know what they're dealing with their story. And, I want to make sure that, um, that the way that I operate, you know, respects that and is, is cautious of like, it, it just takes into account like everything, um, which is really, really hard, but it does, it impacts uh, other people. And, I don't know that that saying always sticks with me. Um, and I, and I still like, I can hear her say that in my head. And so when I, when I thought about it, you know, I feel like it also just rolls off the tongue really nicely, even if you don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the backstory of that name. The long story. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I definitely wanted you to share that because I did love
0: the aspect of it when I found out. Okay. So to close off, I usually like to ask my guests just a few questions, like a quick round and then just whatever first comes to mind, um, there's only a few, but um, what is like the best
1: advice or your favorite advice you've ever received? Just take it slow. You know, there's no rush, but do things well. My mom used to say like, when you do something, do it with your heart. And so you know, like don't, don't half, half it out. Um, and so I, I, I took that to heart with this project. I love that. Favorite quote you live by? I mean, right now it's Min and Nas. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: Perfect. Um, do you have a favorite book? And if you're not like much of a reader, maybe a favorite show or something that you've been watching, reading, consuming?
1: The the most recent book I read, which I really loved was called Deep Work. Mm-hmm. Um, and rules for a focused success in a distracted world, like just really digging in and um, I think with this kind of work, we have to be able to shut things down around us. It's not my favorite, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Deep work. Deep
0: work. Okay, got to look into that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what's your favorite self-care practice or item or like, how do you practice self-care? I hope you're um, self Yeah.
1: Um, therapy is definitely self-care for me. I've been doing yes. it for over a year now. Um, and it's been really, really helpful, but also, um, taking morning walks is something new that I've been doing, um, for the past couple of weeks. And it's been, it's not something that I gave a lot of like thought to, or I didn't Mm -hmm. think it would be that helpful, but it's been really nice just to have that time to myself and to like smell
0: outdoors. Yeah, outside.
1: It's, it's really nice.
0: Uh, And then the last thing is just if you could say something to your younger self, what would it be?
1: Love deeper, love deeper. There's always room to do that. So, yeah. That's beautiful.
0: Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that maybe you wanted to
1: discuss? Uh, No, I appreciate um, having this space to talk and, you know, most importantly to talk about my mom. I always, I think a lot of people are really, unsure about how to talk to people who've lost loved ones and I think most people will tell you that it's it's like uh, it's so important to us you know to keep their memory memory alive um, and I'm just always so grateful when people ask me about her um, because she is like a part of me and uh, you know this whole project is not is an honor of her and an ode to her, a love letter to her. So, um, it's, it's so nice to be able to, you know, to think and, and share. I mean, it's,
0: it's an absolute pleasure for me. And, um, you know, when I reached out to you, it was because I knew, well, one, like, I really do truly love the intent behind what you're doing, but I've known a little bit about your mom for some time now. So I was like, you know, a podcast about Muslim women, I don't want it just to be about us more like our generation and like our experiences I'd love to like I wish sometimes I could get my mom just to talk about I mean it'd be all in mm-hmm. Yemeni and we're from Giban. yeah not everyone understands our dialect <laughs> so that'd be very complicated but it, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to learn about another Muslim woman and the the impact she's had and her life story and how that's shaped who you are so I think that that's yeah. going to be such a I don't know, valuable thing for anyone that's listening who has either experienced loss or is, you know, still able to reflect on some of these things and think like, okay, I can, like you said, love deeper. So thank yeah. you for, you know, taking the time. And yeah, that's, that's it. I hope. Thank you so much.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in,